Well, y'all have already trumped all my jokes for the night, so. <laughs> but it is at least humorous to me that on the way into town, I was telling Carlene, I said, well, I decided not to take my Mucinex before church because I didn't know what the last 15 minutes might be like. So, <laughs> and now here we are, I've got all this extra time and I may not need to just jibber jab, but anyway. So I did have an interesting experience. I went to the doctor Monday, seemed to have a little bit of congestion or something. And all this started what, back in late 2019 through the middle of at least of 2021 and sprung back up. The first time I've been tested for COVID, got tested for COVID and the flu. She said, well, we'll test, since you're within the three to five day window, we'll test you for both. I'm going, oh, great. That's a thrill. So I didn't have either. I told her. I, I self, self-diagnosed. I told her, I said, I've got seasonal allergies really bad. And I spent all of last week crawling around on the floor where two dogs live while I was working on this lady's house. I said, and she, she never did tell me I was right, but she didn't give me anything for my problem either. Tell me to take my Mucinex. So. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> that's all. And Miss Dawn, I'll try not to use it all. I'll try to give part of it back. I'm sorry? I have a good dad joke for you. Okay. You know why the orange lost the race? No. He ran out of juice. Ran out of juice. I thought you said you had a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that was a good one. I like that one. I'll have to write it down where I can use it on my grandsons. Oh. <sighs> All right. We're going to go back and uh, talk about the same subjects again this evening, maybe one more time. And then I plan to uh, go in a different direction uh, mid-June or whenever. Oh, I've got one more I've got to tell you, Brother Lee. You're talking about your boys and stuff. Long, long time ago, when I pastored a church at 12 o'clock, I had one lady that sat right back there on the inside aisle. 12 o'clock straight up, she started rattling her keys every time. So, you know me, I got to where I went over noon all the time. (laughs) It just became a matter of principle then. Not really, but I seem to get longer winded for some reason. But anyway, that's that's a true story. Who's <laughs> doing that? Yeah. I'm not even five minutes in yet. I'm just four minutes in. Uh, oh my goodness, what a day it's been. I invite your attention this evening to Judges chapter 13. We're going to use a um, Old Testament well known personality for our lesson this evening on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I've noticed recently, maybe I'm just paying more attention, no, I don't mean that, that it seems like everybody's preaching on this subject, maybe not using the terminology, but preaching pastor just really hammered it on Sunday morning, I noticed. And uh, so uh, it's not a a new subject by any stretch. But as we start this evening, uh, I'll throw out one of those principles that I do most every time. 
By being saved, you become a servant positionally. But by submission, you become a servant practically. And that's very true. We, we gain the position of, of being a servant to our Lord when we get saved. But only through submission do we practically do that. I uh, saw another, another thing that uh, somebody had written, and they said that you know, only, a, only a small minority ever gets saved, and a much smaller minority only ever submit to the Lord. And that's very true. Uh, unfortunately. So tonight we'll look at a man who started out with great potential and uh, did some things, obviously, but uh, also we'll just kind of use it as losing his lordship. Uh, In this case, one wonderful thing about serving our Lord, he always takes us back. Uh, If we do something we shouldn't, all we have to do is admit that we've done wrong, and he takes us back. I mean, we don't lose our salvation, but we definitely can lose a position that we might have attained at one time or another. Judges chapter 13, verse 1 says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines, Philistines, Philip guys, whatever you want to call them. Uh, And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand. And I like to call them Philistines, so that's my title. (laughs) Father, thank you for the privilege again to be here this evening. For each one who's able to be here, we pray for those that can't be here, Lord, that you would Be with them and return them soon to us if it be in accordance with your will. Bless all the uh, groups tonight in our services, Lord, that your will and way be accomplished. And Lord, I just pray that you'll guide and direct and forgive me my sins and shortcomings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, there was a plan for Samson's life, just like there's a plan for each of our lives. He had, we might call it, a unique birth. We might call it a unique blessing that was placed upon him, but it would also give him a unique burden. But that was his. And we all have those very same capabilities, possibilities, and realities. And it depends on what we do with that. The plan was holiness, obviously, that he would live holy unto the Lord. And... I, I, we've been laughing quite a bit. There's part of this passage to me that's funny. 
The Bible says clearly that she was barren. She had no children. And the angel comes to her and says, you're barren. You have no children. And you're thinking, well, duh. (laughs) I know that. But it's, and I don't mean to make fun of the scripture, but sometimes it's just interesting the way that the Lord worded the Bible because it's like, okay, uh, that's just kind of rubbing it in. But there was a point to be made. And there were um, restrictions placed here. And promises, so many things, and I'm not going to get off into the drinking tonight. I don't have to do that, Uh, but there's a whole lot there about that, too, that we could consider. And certainly in our society, we can see uh, the effects of all of that and so much worse, it seems, in the last couple of years. But anyway, like I said, I wasn't going to get off on that. So this is how that Samson started out. Now, growing up, um, and I think, don't mean this wrong, but I think most of the flannel graph I saw, I always envisioned Samson as a guy more like uh, Goliath size. Bible doesn't say he was a great big huge guy. Not at all. And I know that um, culturally or whatever, in their society at that time, they weren't large people normally. They were smaller in stature, uh, maybe not a great deal than us, but several inches uh, on the average. There were some that were big people, but this group wasn't, and I don't think Samson was either, personally. That's my story anyway, but uh, he did do some amazing things strength-wise, but it was because of what God set up to start with. There were three vows And we can see those in the book of Numbers. um, Chapter 6. Verses 3 through 7. Number 6, verse 3. Well, let's start in verse 1 to get the whole story. And the Lord spake unto Moses. So this obviously predates... Judges chapter 13 by quite a while, several hundred years. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes, or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernel even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head, until the days be fulfilled in the which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy, and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow." All the days of his separation, all the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall make him, he shall come at no dead body. I'm sorry, I'm uh, reading double tonight. Uh, but that was the, that was the vows. And one person said the drink, the dead, and the dome. Speaking of the chrome dome. Uh, anyway, so that's, I guess, a pretty good way to put it. That was the, the three things. Uh, no drinking, no touching dead. And, and the hair was not to be cut for the entire time. Can anybody tell me of a lady in the Bible that took the Nazarite vow 
and the story involved? I don't know of one, but it's specifically mentioned there when he told Moses, a man or woman. But I'm, I'm not aware of any story in the scripture or record of a lady that did that. Always been a little bit curious about that, but um, don't have any information. But that was for free, too. So the, the next thing would be the pattern, uh, the carelessness. Samson started out with all the right things. And he was, he was trained in all the right things. So he had the knowledge. Uh, he had the example because his mom, very carefully before he was ever born, started practicing things that he himself would uh, have to practice. But he broke all three of those vows, uh, and most of them many times over, in, in his lifetime. Um, he, there's, uh, well, at least one reference in Judges of talking about the things that he touched that were dead. Uh, and eventually we know that his hair got cut and we know that he did uh, drink, unfortunately. And all of those things uh, were carelessness. He, he allowed himself to be lured into situations and I, I have no idea all that was involved, of course. Uh, but as a a man myself, I realize that we can be tempted to do things, and uh, sometimes it's out of pride, sometimes it's, it's out of uh, whatever the, the case might be, pride mostly. We think we can do anything and it'll be all right, or we can, we can, we can handle this, so let's go ahead, whatever. I don't, I don't know type A personality part of it, I'm sure. But Samson, whatever the reason, he got careless. And when he got careless, he did things uh, that he shouldn't have. He chased women that he shouldn't have. He, uh, he ate things that he shouldn't have uh, when he went and got the honey out of the lion's carcass and uh, picked up the jawbone of a, a dead ass. There were so many things that were involved. And, and he, he played a game with people constantly and I, I've always thought so much about the way he played those games. They say, well, what did you, well, if you just do this. Uh, he, I, I don't understand his, his thinking, um, but I know that, well, we see the story so we know what happened. The problem came that Samson became useless for the purpose that his life was supposed to uh, accomplish in uh, Judge Numbers chapter 16. Yeah, let's a couple of pages over. Uh, beginning in verse 19, this is after most of the things have happened in his life. But it said that, and she, and this is speaking of Delilah from verse 18 and farther up in the passage, she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines, or Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. 
And so that was the ultimate thing. He finally told the source of his strength. And so while he was out, they came in and shaved his head. And so Samson became bald. He became blind. He became bound. And ultimately, he became bored because there he was walking in basically, I mean, as I understand most of the things involved historically, he's walking in a circle grinding corn or whatever type of grain it might be in that system that they had uh, that they often used donkeys for and, of course, slaves. But Samson's life become unprofitable to the Lord. Now, there's, to me, there's one significant thing that is mentioned um, back in chapter 6, it was, that said, he shall begin to deliver the nation. He wasn't going to be the judge that ultimately set them free. This group of people had become a mighty group of people. They controlled a decent amount of property and they were pretty brutal and they were hard to hard to displace. They were they were strong by the world standards at this time. And they Obviously, the Jews had had lots of trouble with the Philistines for many, many years. And this was going to be a a beginning. And so that was the promise. And he did start that. There's no question that he didn't accomplish some things. But he could have accomplished so much more if he'd have continued to be faithful uh, in his service to the Lord. Um, The judge became a joke. I've, I've thought much of the the verses where uh, at Samson's death there when he was delivered and he took over 3,000 with him, it said that they wanted him to come out and they wanted to make sport with him. And I thought, I've always wondered what, and I mean, this they probably didn't have this, but did they stand there and take ice cubes out of their drinks and throw at him? Did they spit on him? I'm sure they called him everything in the world. Uh, they They mistreated him. Uh, obviously, and they would, but he did take many of them with him when he brought down the house that they were all partying in. Uh, It's a sad story, and yet it's a good illustration. If we turn to, let's just go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, everybody knows the faith chapter. And verse, uh, let's see, 11.32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. And so he's clearly mentioned in the faith chapter. He had great faith, but he misused his life. And... That's, that's not what God wants us to do. Uh, he wants us to use our life faithfully. And there's a list that I think is a pretty good list. Letting the Lord be in total control of our life involves every action, every aspiration, every association, every activity, every attitude, and every area of our life. And that's, that's a big that's a big thing, but it's obviously very, very possible. And so we definitely should, 
should strive to give God every bit of ourselves. Um, Ms. Carly and I have had some discussions lately and um, talked about some things that we wanted to do. And, and I said, well, I'm coming to know more and more that if something comes in my head at first, that's what I'm pretty sure I need to do, not stop and think about it a minute. Well, maybe I ought to, no, pay attention, Steve. I'm, I'm, I know <laughs> uh, this, this, is good. this is good for me. Uh, if y'all don't get anything out of it, uh, it's, it's been really good for me. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling at this point in my life in some areas, I know. Uh, I, I could definitely use your prayers every day, but uh, it's, it is something that is very important. I'm going to close with something. I read this. You know, I cannot guarantee that this is so because I'm not quite that old. But I read that Fanny Crosby and Charles Spurgeon, who didn't, whose lives didn't intersect, actually, but basically said the very same thing, that they said that they were never out of the center of God's will more than 45 minutes in their life. And I don't... How many ever times I ever say that or read that in my life, that is amazing to me. Uh, I'm not going to argue that point. Like I said, I didn't know those people personally, but I've read a lot about both of their lives. And it, it's, it's awesome. And I've known a few other people that probably or might well have said the very same type of things. Um, Samson is a wonderful story, and I, I love the story of Samson. He did some amazing things. I mean, just go walk up there and take the gates and the gate posts and pull them out of the ground and take off. <laughs> I always think of Samson when the preacher and I are tearing down fences because that's what he loves to do. I wonder if he's thinking about Samson at the same time. He'll go over and get a post that's cemented in the ground. He'll wrap it up like this and he'll start going like this and he'll start going, mm. I'm going, dude, when you get 60, you're going to pay for that. Big time, but it's it's amazing. But I always think of Samson. I'm thinking, but there were two gate posts and two big gates, and he took them all four. Come on, but uh, it's uh, his story is amazing. We all know it well. But he did did falter. He um, he certainly did. Um, but I love I love the things that he inflicted upon the Philistines for the right reason. And I just know that we can try more to submit to the Lord. And we can, I mean, we had a unique birth because of Jesus Christ and His shed blood. We have a unique blessing that we're allowed to live for Him for what time He gives us on this earth and the health and mental ability to do so. And it does also give us a unique burden and that we're supposed to reach out to others and tell them about Jesus Christ and be a living example to the world of what Christ has done for us and give back to our Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here this evening. Father, thank you for this time that we can study your